0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com.
2: Kristen Selby Gonzalez, and I am super excited that I will be actually hosting the first and third Tuesday of the month, and Terry will be doing the second and fourth. And today we have an amazing guest. I am just super excited about her. Her name is Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky. She is a PhD in clinical nutrition and also is certified in clinical uh, I'm sorry, a certified clinical nutritionist. She is the Director of Doctoral Studies at Hawthorne University, and she is the author of Digestive Wellness, Digestive Wellness for Children, and Ricky Gut Syndrome. So today we have just an amazing show, and please call in if you have any questions, and you know, welcome. Thanks so much for being here, Dr. Elizabeth.
3: Hi. (gasps) Hi. Someone just walked in my office, so... (laughs) No, I'm super excited
2: that you're taking this time. I know how busy you are, and I think this is going to be so great for so many of our listeners who are just huge fans, by the way, of yours. Thanks. And I just think what your information, what you, what you have for your information is just so helpful and so useful. And one of my favorite, favorite books, I think I've told you in the past, is Digestive Wellness for Children. I mean, I think I have read that book probably 20 times at this point. I mean, I take it on airplanes with me. It's very loved, and I'm a huge, huge believer in diet, as you probably know, and a lot of listeners know. And I'm just so excited to talk about, you know, different diets for our children on the spectrum and why it's so important, and and all that good stuff. Sounds like fun. (laughs) So let's dive in. And I wanted to, you know, a lot of parents are asking us, and a lot of people out there. Um, either they're really veterans on the diet, and a lot of people have yet to start the diet. So I always like starting with those people. Like, let's talk to those people of, you know, why is it so important to start this diet, Like, or to look at health and nutrition and um, digestion?
3: Well, the reason why we eat food in the first place is to get nourishment to all of ourselves. And a lot of the children and adults on the spectrum have difficulty digesting food. So we know, for example, that many of them have deficiencies in pancreatic enzymes, and many of them are not really great at detoxifying. And um, so the reason why we eat food is to get that nourishment to each cell. So if we're not actually digesting the food very well, then we need help in every way that we can get to have foods that are recognizable and that our body sees as something that it knows how to use. One of the most exciting things, I think, coming through the pike in the field of nutrition is a field called nutritional genomics. And what we're really finding out is that when we eat food, that that food talks to our genes. It's having a conversation. And so we can either be giving that that um, information as, uh, as uh, frozen waffles or we can be giving that information <laughs> as fresh apples or we can be giving that information as Skittles and all of that or broccoli and or chicken and all of that gives different sets of information to the body. What we do know from research is that, that um, even one drop – of yellow dye increases um, an enzyme called sphingloforma A, which isn't important, but, but just by doing that one thing, it increases inflammation. These children and adults have brain inflammation. And so food is the most inflammatory thing that we do every single day because every day when we eat, we're saying to the food, we're saying, I want to be just like you. This is the conversation I want my genes to have. And, um, and so starting with food and the information that's in food is really important. And as you know, for some of our kids, not all of our kids, but for some of our kids, gluten and casein are the most disturbing of that conversation because in some children and adults, Um, and not just with autism but with ADD and other neurological issues, schizophrenia even, Um, in some of the subset of population, gluten and casein make morphine-like substances called glutomorphin and casomorphin that actually act like an opiate in the brain. So if you and I were sitting here having um, smoking uh, opium I don't know that we'd be having a really coherent conversation. We might be a little bit withdrawn, don't you think? I think we'd probably be withdrawn and probably giggling a whole bunch,
2: right? <laughs> yeah,
3: something like that. And so the food, you know, that's probably a very dramatic form of of information. But I also once had a little girl walk into my office, and she, she wasn't autistic, but she said, If you give me one single red m and M, I I will have epileptic seizures on your floor in about five minutes.
2: Oh, my goodness. So it's really that old saying when we think about when we, we heard growing up is we are what we eat, you know? And when you were talking about Skittles or broccoli, um, I can remember my grandmother saying, you know, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And um, and she, she'd always want me to eat, you know, all my veggies and, you know, the different the different proteins. And I remember as a kid thinking, well, I love cake, so of course I'd want to be a cake, right? But as I got older, I realized, you know, it's so important to, to be healthy because you, are, you do feel different. I mean, even though um, I'm not – allergic to gluten i know the i know the effects i feel When I eat certain foods, like sometimes you feel tired, sometimes you might um, feel uh, really worn down for longer periods of time, or you get a headache, or maybe you get a little bit of bloating, and I think all of us know what that feels like. I mean, think about all that different food we eat on the different holidays, right? I mean, we, we really put too much in our bodies, and imagine some of our kids feeling those effects even greater. I mean, that's how I think about it. I mean, what do you think about that?
3: I think you're exactly right. I think it gets really amplified in our kids. And um, to add to what you said, we're not only what we eat. That's the beginning place. But our kids have trouble with digestion. They have trouble Mm -hmm. with absorption because they have leaky gut. And Mm -hmm. they have trouble with excretion. A lot of them have irritable bowel or diarrhea or constipation. And so, all you know, Beginning with the food is just the beginning place where we say, "Okay, let's try giving the right food," because we are what we eat. But then let's make sure we can digest it and absorb it and excrete the waste. Um, so, it, it, you know, but but just beginning there. I remember being at an autism conference and there was a father there, and they have four autistic children, um, all with different needs and all with uh, different dietary needs. And they just kind of threw up their hands in the air and were giving the kids gluten-free cookies, but um, also just doing what was easiest. And and they weren't getting the kind of benefits from the diet that they could really get. Because, again, um, so many of our kids have, have other GI issues. Over two-thirds of our kids have GI issues. Well, I know,
2: even with my own son, my son is eight,
3: and we've been
2: doing a diet with him since, um I think, two weeks after his diagnosis. So he was diagnosed with autism at two and a half, and two weeks later, thank goodness for Google, because I was researching, and I'd read about all these parents, you know, trying diets, and here my little guy was, you know, really picky eating, and um and we put him on the diet, and, I mean, since that day, we've been on a diet of some sort. Um, and when you were talking about even, you know, as the kids are eating, they might still have issues. We have to get the children to digest the foods. That was a key component to my son um, because, my gosh, I think for close to almost four and a half, five years, uh, he was having diarrhea. And, and it was the kind of diarrhea where it was he wouldn't have a bowel movement for three days and then all of a sudden he would have one and it would just be explosive and, Yet, we would look at that as diarrhea. However, there was definitely constipation with that. And, you know, really here, we weren't giving him any infractions, but we knew that the diet and the food we were putting in his body was so important. However, we needed to get that food to be absorbed and um, the vitamins and nutrients to be taken in. And he didn't even grow, it felt like, for, gosh, almost three years. I mean, he was wearing the same shoes for three years, the same shoe size, I should say. And once we were able to figure out how to get that digested and properly absorbed, oh my gosh, he became a green bean. He like started like shooting up and he really, his bowels completely changed. He started having foreign bowel movements and every day, and that was the part that blew me away was he would go to the bathroom and have that bowel movement anywhere two to three times a day solid. And I think a lot of families out there, they don't realize, and I'll just say the word poop, but they don't realize how important poop is because, you know, most of us, don't think about it sometimes but it's so important that our kids are having those bowel movements I mean do you get that question asked a lot like what how often and how important that is
3: I do I do and I, I just want to say Kristen you are such a great example of a parent who has just taken this on and studied it and I am in such awe of the parents of autistic children who have said I'm not giving up and I'm going to continue to look and um, you know, your son had failure to thrive, and mm-hmm. I see this commonly in um, in children on the autistic spectrum, but also other brain-damaged children. And um, using digestive enzymes, using um, pureed foods, using probiotics, using um, supplements like glutamine, um, there are so many ways to try to Jumpstart that using um, protein powders or medical foods. There are so many ways to try to approach um, getting a child who's not growing to start growing. Or, as you said, working with um, with him with his diet. One of the things that I think is is one of the most remarkable things is that is that there are many diets that are really helpful for kids on the spectrum and. And I always encourage the entire family to do the diet. And sometimes there's another sibling or one of the parents who are the greatest beneficiary of changing the diet.
2: Absolutely. And I think probably some of our listeners, I mean,
3: most of us know what gluten and casein is. But for some of the listeners who maybe this is
2: one of their first times listening or they're just learning, can you just, um, I guess, simplify
3: what is gluten and what is casein? Sure. Um, gluten is a protein that's found in certain grains, and it's found specifically in wheat, rye, and barley. We, um, it's also contaminated often in oat, and we find little bits in spelt and kamu, which are ancient wheats. Um, so when we go on a gluten-free diet, the grains that we recommend are things like quinoa, and taff and amaranth and buckwheat and rice um, and millet. Those are the main grains. And so we start replacing those gra- the gluten-containing grains with those grains. Um, some certified gluten-free oats that are available on the market as well. But I generally don't use those the first month or two. And then casein found in dairy products, so anything that has milk in it. Um, Very good, and when we come back, we'll jump back into this
2: subject, and um, we'll be be right back.
4: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: back to autism one a conversation of hope with terry aranga if you have a question or comment call us toll free at 866-472-5792 now back to the program here's terry Hi,
2: everyone. Again, this is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I'm super excited because I will be hosting the first and third Tuesday of the month, and Terry will be hosting the second and fourth. And today we have Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky, and um, we've been talking with her about uh, diet and nutrition for our kiddos on the spectrum. And right now we have a guest that just called in. Um, Amy, are you there? Mm -hmm. Hi, thank you for calling. Um, what question do you have for Liz? Super excited about your
5: calling in and asking. Hi, nice to meet you guys. Um, I'm calling in because I have a friend with a child with autism, and I'm lost how to help from her uh, with diet because she keeps telling me that her son isn't allergic, but he only eats five foods. I was wondering if you have any advice on how um, I could help her, guide
3: her, or support her on this. So which five foods?
5: Basically, like waffles, chicken fingers,
3: uh, pizza, frozen foods, you name it. That's just about it. Okay. So um, why I asked is because the most common foods that we see that children on the spectrum love, especially the picky eaters, is that they love pizza, they love cheese, sometimes yogurt, um and they love anything with wheat or dairy. And we were just talking about wheat and dairy. <laughs> and so one of the things that's hard about that is because this is all that this little boy wants to eat. And so parents get afraid that their child is going to starve if you take them off all the foods that have gluten and dairy. And all of these, even the the chicken fingers are breaded in in um, in gluten containing wheat. So, um, so this is a tough one. There's a couple of different answers. One is that um, you can just try a gluten casein free diet, and I would make try to make waffles that, or buy waffles that are gluten free. Like um, Vans waffles are gluten free waffles, and there may be other companies that make gluten free waffles. I would try to um, make a gluten-free – well, I would just kind of avoid pizza and, um, and start looking for uh, gluten-free noodles. There are wonderful rice noodles out there. Um, um, tincada rice noodles taste delicious. He probably won't even notice that they're different. Um, there are all kinds of different foods that you can try, but I would definitely do a gluten-casein-free diet and try to find foods that are familiar to him but that meet those guidelines. The second thing that that I do when kids come into my office is typically sometimes in an hour, I can get a child to try two or three new foods just by saying how fun they are. Oh. and. Um, so working with a feeding specialist can also be really helpful because a feeding specialist can really work with, with this little boy to try to get him to be interested in more foods. And um, because my office is in my house, when a child comes in, I'll actually look through my, what I have in the house. The last little boy who came in, um, we had him eating pistachio nuts and um, these things called corn bins, which are like rice cakes, but they're made out of corn. And he was eating those two foods, and there was some other, I think I had some kind of fruit that he was willing to try too. So, you know, uh, an average child will reject a food up to 20 times before they're willing oh, wow. to eat it. And an autistic child might reject a food up to 30 times before they're willing to eat it. So just keep putting it on the plate, and um, it's not for a parent or for you to decide what the child eats uh, other than what you put on their plate. That's for us to decide. I'm going to offer you these foods. Then it's for the child to decide what they want to eat of those foods. And eventually he'll get hungry enough and he'll start eating something. Okay. Now,
2: where, um, Liz, would you find like a food specialist there that, that you were talking about, like, or somebody that um, that can help you or help your child? I
3: I would start with um, I would start with occupational therapists in your area who work with autistic children, and Thoughtful House in Austin, Texas, may have a list. I honestly haven't really looked that carefully, other than. Around my area, there's some great occupational therapists in my area who do feeding. Um, they're feeding specialists.
2: Very cool. So, do you have any other questions, or
5: does that does that help you out, Amy? No, that does help me out. I appreciate it. It was nice
2: talking to you. Oh, well, thanks so much for calling. Thanks, Amy. All right. So, bye. All right. We have another guest. Um, Melissa's calling in, um, and she has a question. Are you there, Melissa? I think she'll be here in a moment. <laughs>
5: I have a couple of questions for Dr. Lipsky. Um, My little boy is five years old and he's been diagnosed with regressive autism at age two and a half and we immediately did the gluten and casein diet but what I'm seeing now is I'm afraid he has malabsorption issues. He eats a ton. We got his bowel movements on time every day where he suffered from chronic constipation. Now he is able to go three times a day, but he's very, very thin. Now, he is growing. His pants legs are, I mean, his clothes are growing. His shoe size are are growing. Um, I mean, he's getting taller. But I was, and um, the E8 Splash and the next, I'm sorry, I'm not at my computer because now my husband's listening in. Um, that's the two supplements that you recommend. And I was curious to find out which one would be better for Alex, for my son.
3: Okay. Well, that's very specific. So what you're talking about is um, the Splash and the Neocate. And what they are is they're medical foods. And the Splash, what's, what I like about the Splash is that it's um, – it, looks, it comes in what looks like a juice box.
5: So oh, okay. So
3: he's going to school or he's out to lunch with friends or you're having a picnic in the playground or whatever, at five he's now probably aware of what other kids are doing.
5: Yeah, absolutely. He drinks juice boxes, no problem. I currently buy him an organic type, but nonetheless he'll still drink a juice box for sure.
3: So what... What the, the deal is with the medical foods is that with children who aren't uh, absorbing nutrients that well, the, amino, the proteins are all broken down into free amino acids, and the fatty acids are all broken down so that he doesn't have to digest or absorb them. And even the carbohydrates are all broken down so that he doesn't have to work to get any of the nutrients that are in those. There are uh, other brands that are available as well, and um, what I want to say is that to our taste buds, these don't taste good. Oh, they—they they don't they, taste good to us, but they provide a lot of protein. So, if they ta- but they do often taste good to children because the children know they're getting the right nutrients. To me, oh, they yeah. taste bitter and not very good, and I don't want to drink it. On the other hand, I've seen kids just lap them up because they know it's good for them.
5: Now, if he's one of the ones that doesn't drink it, could I mix it with like a fresh-squeezed juice and dilute it that way to where he would drink it, or do you have to take it
3: just as it's prescribed? No, you can absolutely do that, and the neocate you could actually cook with. Oh, you can
4: Oh,
5: well, I guess what my question is, because I'm actually interested in both of them, especially now that I can cook with one of them. Um, Is it one a day, or how many do you have to give them per day for them to reap the benefits? Three a day, or what would
3: you recommend? Well, it
5: sounds
4: like he's
3: eating a lot of food already.
5: He eats a lot. Yeah, but what I've done is I've eliminated soy and I've eliminated corn, Mm -hmm. so... So far, he's soy-free, dairy-free, corn-free, gluten-free, and refined sugar-free, and all, uh, you know, dye-free, you know, all the (laughs) dyes-free.
3: Excellent. So So there's a couple of other things. First of all, I would say maybe I would just add one a day or one serving a day into food and see what that does. The other thing is I don't know if you're giving him any digestive enzymes Well, we were giving them the digestive enzymes, but we're
5: currently following two different protocols. And one of the protocols we're following is Dr. Kendall Stewart. And we have an appointment to see him in the middle of the month. But he recommended that while we were doing the first step of his protocol to not do the digestive enzymes, so that Alexander's little gut could actually do some, he said, like, real healing until um, he gets retested with his IgG, and then he'll decide if he needs his digestive enzymes again. Okay. But I think because he was on them for so long that he was like, let's go ahead and just back off of those for a little while.
3: Okay. One of the other things that seems to promote um, good digestion is, it sounds a little bit weird, but it's something called Umaboshi Plums. Okay. They're um, an, a Japanese salted uh, plum that's fermented, okay. and they seem to, some children really love how they taste. Again, they have kind of a funky flavor, and what I find is the people who need them actually love them. Okay. Could give him a plum like an. I I would compare the taste like an olive, in that it's it's an unusual taste and it's a salty taste, um, but. But it ha- tends to promote digestion, and then the other thing would be using um, bone broths and um, soups, uh, especially ones that are made with a chicken broth or a lamb broth or a beef broth or a veal. Well, broth.
5: I make him his because um, we we keep trying the specific carbohydrate diet. Rice mm-hmm. seems to be incredibly difficult to give up, but I make him his bone broth. You know, the chicken broth, mm-hmm. but. I, I can't get him to eat any type of soups whatsoever. So what I've been doing is using that bone broth as my base for a rice. Perfect. And you can cook vegetables
3: in it and you can yeah. sneak it in, wherever you're using water in in cooking his food. You can use the broth instead because it's very healing to the gut. And it sounds okay. like you're under, um, you know, you have a good doctor. Um, glutamine is also another a nutrient that's really got healing. So depending on what your doctor recommends, you may try giving him little bits or even a little bit more glutamine, but somewhere between, I don't know, 500 milligrams a day to maybe 1,500 milligrams a day. Um, If he starts getting constipated, you'll know you gave him a little bit too much. Um, Glutamine really helps with um, increasing that muscle mass.
5: Oh, okay. Excellent. Oh, this is so wonderful. Thank you <laughs> so much. I greatly, greatly appreciate everything. And thank you so much for writing your book. It's incredible. And you just help us a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Okay,
2: Thanks, Melissa in. <laughs> All right, we're going to be going to commercial break and
5: we'll be back in a moment.
0: Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoff for 21st Century Medicine. We will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness
1: back to autism one a conversation of hope with terry aranga if you have a question or comment call us toll free at 866-472-5792 now back to the program here's terry
2: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, and I am super excited because I am going to be doing the first and third Tuesday of the month, and Terry Arango will be doing the second and fourth. And we have been talking to Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky, and you guys have been calling in with some amazing questions. And we have another caller, Jamie, um, is uh, calling in. Uh, Jamie, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Do you have a question for Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky?
7: I do. Hi, Dr. Lipsky. Hi. I have a question for you about doing the gluten and casein-free diet in a shared parenting relationship where (laughs) the other parent does not support the diet. Now, I only have my autistic son 50% of the time, and sometimes that works out to be not even an entire day, like his father would have him in the morning and I would have him in the afternoon and evening. So without compliance, on the other end, my question is if I want to do this diet 100% in my time, is that still going to be helpful for my child? Probably
3: not. I hate to say it. Okay. I hate to say it. You know, um, even in, yeah, this is a problem that I have even been involved in divorce custody battles and written letters to lawyers Mm -hmm. and courts and I, I'm sorry to say you are not the only person in this situation, and um, um, which is why I laughed. I have heard it over and over, and it's a yeah. really hard one. And you know, what I would try to do is see if he would be willing to do one of two things: either let you have your child a hundred percent of the time for a month, so okay. that you can so that you can try this. Or that he would be willing to do this with you for a month and maybe you might have to help him get the right foods in the house or, or help educate him about how to do it. I don't know what your relationship is other than this. But um, it really it has to be done 100% because what sure. we know is even a little bit of gluten can really affect a child The other thing that you might do to try to convince him that this would be necessary would be to do some IgG antibody testing. Okay. And um, you can see if there's um, an autism literate doctor in your area who'd be willing to do it or you could call my office and we'd be happy to send you out a kit. There are finger pokes that you just do at home. Um, their test kits, and we could send you one out. And then, if you had something that showed that he was reacting to specific foods, uh huh. Then here, I don't remember if you said a son or a daughter. I'm sorry if it's. I had a son. Okay. Anyway, then, um, then if you had something in color that shows you, look, he's off the scale for for dairy products, and look, corn is really high why don't we at least try this and see if it makes a
7: difference? Sure. I, yeah, I, I do think that that might help, at least just to have something, you know, on a lab report that would help, you know, back up my strong feelings about wanting to try it. I have started my son on, you know, digestive enzymes, you know, at least at my home to try to help him digest the foods better, you know, when he does come into contact with them. Do you think that even just trying to reduce the amount of gluten and casein that he gets exposure to in my home. Does it, does, do you think that would be helpful at all, even just trying to minimize the exposure rather than trying to, you know, go with 100% on and off? I think it's
3: probably helpful, but I don't know how helpful. And okay. one of the things that I've seen um, with these kind of custody issues is that that there will be a child who's, uh, with one parent for four or five days, the child starts calming down. Their mind right. starts clearing. Then the non-compliant parent gets this great kid.
7: Mhm. That's what I was worried about. And they
3: don't see a problem. And they don't see a problem. And yeah. uh, and then you get the child back, and you see that the child has fallen is it, a mess again. And so. Um, But generally, dairy, it takes about a week, about 10 days to 14 days to get it out of the system. And gluten takes at least four or five days to get out of the system. Most children will see something dramatic, sometimes in the first five or six days, sometimes in the first two weeks. But the recommendation is really, you know, give this a, a, a good shot for three months see what really happens, and usually I try to engage people in two weeks because two weeks sounds doable, Mm -hmm. Um, and usually there's some changes that make parents want to do more than two weeks.
2: Well, also what I was thinking too as I was listening, um, Jamie, is that there's so many foods out there that you can buy in the market today that are gluten-free, casein-free. That might be a great substitute to what he's eating. So it might not—you might not see the benefits of taking away the gluten and casein in the beginning, but you might get him liking those foods. And if he starts to request those foods from his dad, that might be another way. So if there's a particular chicken nugget or a waffle, he might get start really liking those foods, and maybe that might be another good um, way so that he starts requesting them from dad. I don't know if that might be helpful. Oh, that's a really good idea. Thank
7: you. Thank you both. I really appreciate your input. Oh, well, thank you for
3: calling, Jamie.
7: Absolutely. Thanks a lot.
3: One thing that I, I just want to mention is I have I have a website called nutritionandmind.com that okay. has on it um, a, a whole how to do a gluten-casein-free diet, but it's also corn-free and sugar-free and soy-free oh. and dye-free. And all people have to do is give me their um, email address and they get this whole this whole um, piece that might be a good starter for parents who hadn't tried it. Also, I want what, to what? mention there are some children who aren't going to do well on gluten casein free. I think it was Melissa who mentioned that they were trying to do a specific carbohydrate diet and... Mm-hmm. and um, there are two diets called specific carbohydrate diet and the gut and psychology syndrome diet, which is called the GAPS diet. And a lot of children do really well on these diets, too. On these diets, there's absolutely no grains, and there are very limited amounts of carbohydrates. So even starchy vegetables aren't allowed on these diets. And um, But they do help a lot of children who... Who um, really have what I consider to be disordered gut bacteria or yeast or fungi, and um, for kids who don't respond to the gluten casein free diet, that's probably another type of diet to to look towards. And then finally, there are other specialized diets like like low phenol diets and low salicylate diets and um, ye- anti yeast diets like a Donna Gates' Body Ecology Diet. And so I guess the main thing I want to say is don't give up. If if you've tried gluten-casein-free and it hasn't really worked that well, then it says, well, there's probably some kind of either low-grade bacterial or fungal infection or something else that's causing a leaky gut in your child, and so that there's a deeper level to kind of move to Um, Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because I know with our
2: son, like we did the gluten-free, casein-free diet. We saw some changes, but not a lot in the beginning. And we moved on to the specific carbohydrate diet. And if people don't know what that is, you can look. um, You can there's a book called um, Breaking the Vicious Cycle by Lynn which is a great book to look at um, on top of your book, also Digestive Wellness for Children. Um, But that really talks about the specific carbohydrate diet. And then we went from that to the Gutton and Psychology Syndrome, which they're very similar, and they just have a little bit of changes here and there. And Natasha Campbell McBride wrote um, the Gut and Psychology Syndrome book. But the um, we noticed a huge change when we did that, and it was about 10 days of watching... What I think of when I and I know this sounds traumatic for a lot of people, but just this is and this is probably the extreme version. But just you are understanding what it could look like. We had a little guy who basically for almost ten days it, he didn't want to eat a lot. He was like scratching the walls. We found him at about one or two o'clock in the morning by the refrigerator looking for a breadcrumb, and it reminded me of watching those movies where somebody was coming off drugs. It reminded me of that, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, all we did was take away, at that moment, you know, potato, corn, and rice, because he'd already been off, you know, gluten and casein pretty much. And I thought, wow, this food is that powerful. And But I can tell you, once we made it through that, you know, week, week and a half – oh, my gosh, his language started opening up. Um, His eye contact started doing better. The therapies that we were doing with him seemed to be more beneficial because we were doing play therapy and, and all of a sudden, he was more receptive to wanting to play. So, you know, don't give up. And I love that you said that. You know, if one diet doesn't work, that doesn't necessarily mean that another won't. I mean, we've we've tried the body ecology diet. We've gone back to the SCD diet. And you'll see as your child um, is growing what they can tolerate, what they can't. And then you'll do these these different tests to see, you know, what their body needs. And so I'm so glad you brought that up because it was such a big thing for us.
3: You know, one of the things that you said um, made me think of something I want to say, and that's that I see this not only in, in children on the autistic spectrum, but I see that kind of behavior in adults who have other kinds of health issues <laughs> as well when we do dietary changes. And one of the things about going either on uh, going on a, a gut and psychology syndrome diet, or a specific carbohydrate diet, or even sometimes just an antifungal diet, what what happens is that when we reduce sugars and, and uh, simple carbohydrates in our diet, that's what yeast and bacteria live on. They thrive on sugars. So when we start starving them of sugars, then our body starts screaming for the very things that we're limiting. Because as they're dying, they're releasing toxic substances. They're also, they're also trying to um, rope us back into the way we used to eat. So it's a common response. Wonderful. And right before
2: we go to break, can you give that website again that you were, you said earlier
3: that they can sure. check out? It's called um, nutritionandmind.com.
2: Wonderful. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Elizabeth Lipsky. Be right back.
4: Are you finding fitness a chore? Is health and nutrition too time-consuming for you? It doesn't have to be like that at all. Tune in to Fit Fan for Fun Lifestyle Fitness with your host, Shira Litwack. Every week, Shira and her guests will show you the fun side of fitness. We'll invite you to send topic suggestions and questions via email, as well as call into the program. You'll get sensible fitness and nutrition advice in a relaxed and fun program. You won't look at fitness as an enemy ever again. Fit Fan for Fun airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10
1: a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Selby Gonzalez. And as I've been saying, I am. Super excited because I will be doing the first and third Tuesday of the month, and Terry will be doing the second and fourth. And today we've been talking to Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky and she's been answering so many of your questions and it's just been so helpful. And before we go on to our next callers, um, I wanted to make sure, uh, Dr. Lipsky, that we gave your information out. Um, they can find you at uh, www.innovativehealing.com and um, they can find all three of your books um, on your website, which is um, Digestive Wellness, Digestive Wellness for Children and Leaky Gut Syndrome, and then also they can find that on Amazon is that correct correct Wonderful, And then also I wanted to remind everybody that next week's show, um, Harry Aranga is going to be back, and she is going to be uh, interviewing Mary Holland and Louise Hibachkis, um about their new book called Vaccine Epidemics. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And also there's been a lot of exciting stuff about the Autism One Conference. Um, if you haven't heard, um, it was just posted that the Autism One Conference is going to be free for the first time in history this year. So, we're very excited about that. Check out all the new things happening with that conference on autism1.org, and that conference is in Chicago at the Lombard uh, Weston um, in, uh, in Illinois, and that is May 24th through the 29th. So, make sure you check that out. And we have our next caller. Um, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you? What's your name?
5: Good, how are you, Heather? Hi Heather.
2: Ben, Heather. thanks for calling in, Heather. Do you have a question for Dr. Lipsky?
5: I sure do. Um, I I would love to try um, the gluten-free, casein-free um, diet with my
7: son, and I'm just wondering if you have any pointers um, on how to make it work for the entire family. Um, I do have three other children and a husband,
2: so
5: do you have any pointers for? you know, keeping one person, you know, my son on the diet and, and, and working with the others, what do you suggest for that type of a situation?
3: My suggestion, how old are, how old are your children? They are um, 6, 10, 12, and 13. Okay. So my suggestion is that I would approach this as um, a science experiment for the whole family okay. for two weeks, okay. that we're going to do this in solidarity and we're all going to do it together. And we're going to see, because as I said, sometimes the people in the family, like your autistic child, might get some benefit, and either you, your husband, or one of your other three children are going to end up with even a better benefit. And so I would try to sell them and say, look, we're doing this in solidarity. Let's see if we can do this all as a family, and let's do it as a science experiment because your older children they might even have a science fair or something. They could write this up and they could, you know, um, use it as an assignment for school or something like that. So I would try oh, to sure. put a new spin on it. Okay. Great.
5: That's a great idea. Do you do you suggest so you suggest just then getting rid of it, getting getting everything out
2: of
3: the house and putting everybody on the same diet? I do. It makes There's it a- so much easier.
7: It okay, yeah, makes it and just, so
3: much yeah. easier for you. Although I can say that I've worked with children as young as three or four, and mm-hmm. um, one little boy, not autistic but um, learning dis- disabled and mm-hmm. uh, PDD, and what he he had a little brother who was even younger who could eat all kinds of things he couldn't eat, but he knew he didn't feel right when he ate them. Okay. But if you can okay. get if you can get the whole family to do it, even for just two weeks,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, you might be surprised. You might find that children don't have runny noses, or that people are waking up more easily in the morning, or that they just seem easier to be with. Or you never know. Okay.
7: Okay. Great. Oh, well, thanks so much for calling. Yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. Thank you.
3: All right, we have
2: another caller, Lauren. Lauren, are you on the line? Hi, yes, I am. Hi, do you have a question for Dr. Elizabeth Lipsky? Yes, I do. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Liz. How are you? We're good. (laughs) How are you? Um, Great. Um, My question is, um, my son's doctor keeps telling me that there's no proven science on a gluten-free, casein-free diet, Um, although I do want to try it. So I was just wondering, how do I prove to him that there is and
3: to, like, stop fighting with him? Okay. I wish that there were better studies, but I have to say that in some cases he's right because when they do great big review studies, they don't really find the difference because what they do is they lump all the kids together. And so for some children, this is a miracle diet. For other children, maybe you only see 10 or 20% improvement or 50% improvement, and so they're considered to be failures. And so when you put it all together, um, it doesn't always look good. But if you go to, I don't know if Autism One has the same kind of information, but Autism Research, um, which is autism.com, www.autism.com, they have on their website somewhere um, all the collected research, but they also have the collected wisdom of. Thousands of parents who every year write in and fill out these forms and say, this is what we tried and these were the things that helped my child, these are the things that didn't help, these are the things that helped a little bit, these are the things that made my child worse. And when you look at the thousands of parents who have done a gluten-casein-free diet or um, a specific carbohydrate diet, about two-thirds of all the children on either of those diets have – remarkable benefit. So it's it's a hard one. I wish we had more of the science than we do, but we we don't. In five more years we'll have more of it.
2: I, I think also, um, Lauren, I think if you started the diet and then, um, your child started seeing differences and improvements, it would be hard for your pediatrician not to look, look at that as science. Like, you become that science experiment that you were talking about before, um, Dr. Lipsy, of basically, you know, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, kind of. And so that might be something beneficial if you start taking, like, a journal of the foods you've changed and then the behaviors, um, start to follow that if you were able to see, uh, changes.
7: Perfect. All right. Well,
2: you thank you. Do you have any other questions or um, is that, did we answer your questions for you? Oh, yeah, you did. And what would you recommend um, if the gluten-free, casein-free diet, um, if you saw um, some change, would you continue it or would you try to change and go to maybe the carbohydrate diet you were talking about earlier? Um, I would, would
3: you I would give it at least three months. Okay. Um, You generally will see the biggest improvements in the first month or six weeks, but the gut can take a long time to heal, and so the recommendation is generally for about three months. Um, And then if you're not seeing the kind of changes you want, then I would look at the specific carbohydrate diet or the gut and psychology syndrome diet, which is also called the GAPS diet. And both of those have really great websites as well as books that help you to work through it, there's also some um, kind of nice websites on um, gluten free. Um, there's PecanMeal.com that has a lot of wonderful recipes. There's um, the National uh, uh, What do they call them? Foundation for uh, for Celiac Awareness. So well, it
2: looks like we're almost running out of time, and then also they can go to your website right Liz
5: um dot
2: yeah. com and find some great things about that and um and thanks Lauren for calling in. I appreciate that Thank you so much. um it has been this hour has flown by, Elizabeth. <laughs>
5: I don't know where the
2: time has gone. I greatly appreciate you, um, you know, being on the show and answering so many great questions. And I think if we had one message, and you might agree with this, to parents, it's just not to give up, right? Just keep on trying and not
3: giving up. Absolutely. Be curious. Don't take no for an answer. Just keep looking and looking. There is a lever that will get your child better.
2: Wonderful. And so don't forget to turn in next week to Terry Ranga Show. And thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.